Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2016. This is Jeff talking about Step 1. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm an alcoholic and I'm sober today. Thanks to the group for asking me to share and Trish for giving me the phone call. It's a great opportunity. Thanks for your presentation, guys. It's... um, that's a you know first-hand look at alcoholism, something that I, I probably should have seen a lot a lot earlier than what I did. And thanks, Polly. It's um, been amazing watching you in recovery. Uh, yeah, I was one of the guys that um, David spoke about that like life was good. I felt like the square peg in the square hole, if you want to put it like that. Like everything to me seemed like I felt like I had the world at my feet early on. Um, you know, I, I played a lot of sport and. Uh, School was good, everything was floating along well and I don't know, like I, I played a lot higher in my age group for sports so the only reason I picked up a drink was because my mates were three years older and they sort of, it was time to drink, you know, they were going to parties and that so I picked up a drink and once I did, like it, although everything was all really, really good, as soon as I put it in me, like I just, I felt bulletproof, like I was just bigger, better, stronger, tougher, better looking the lot. And like, I just, I don't know, like, I suppose even though the first time I actually got drunk, I blacked out and had a consequence, which most people wouldn't have drank after that anyway, to me it was like swept under the rug, you know, as long as I kicked goals on the weekend and that, it was all going to be okay. So very, very early for me, by the age of sort of 15, it was abnormal for me to turn up to school sober because um, I just loved it. As I said, I felt bulletproof and, um, you know, it's a progressive illness. And for me, that, that feeling of bulletproof only lasted a very short amount of time. At the age of 17, I walked up to my mother and said, um, I think I'm an alcoholic because my father is an alcoholic. That's not why I became an alcoholic. Um, you know, some people say, like, I hear them say, like, they think they were born with it. I don't know. My mum reckons I was. I don't know and I don't care. I just know I am now, today. And, um, yeah, I, I walked up to her and said, you know, those words. And she, she agreed with me and we went to my first AA meeting. And, um, I don't know, I wasn't ready. Like, I looked around the room and I saw, I saw what was going on and it all looked pretty good to me. But, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I needed to go out and experience a, a lot more pain for me to come in and accept step one. So I was going to do it my way. And I had what I think it was discussed, you know, that great obsession that someday, somehow, I'd drink like other people. And, um, yeah, like, I, I went out and, and put all my willpower into it and tried to be... I didn't want to be an alcoholic. And uh, it got worse. And, you know, like, even just a year later, like, um, I just... I woke up in hospital one day and I've got, like, stitches going through my face, through my neck, staples going through my head, and I've been coming out of another blackout. And, like, I wake up in the hospital room and, like, I look around and I sort of get told what's happened. And I just remember looking like at my mum and a few of my mates and I just said, never, ever, ever again will I touch alcohol. And I meant it. But, um, you know, once I got out of hospital, I sat in bed for a few days and just laid there and, I don't know, like I'm an alcoholic. I got back up and I I could see the stitches in my face. I could see the staples in my head. And I could just, for whatever reason, I went, this time will be different. And then, like, 20 hours later, I come out of a blackout in the middle of the Murray in a canoe. And I'm like... (laughs) I'm, f- I'm just frightened because, like, it's like, I, I don't know where it is in the book, but, like, am I crazy? I didn't know. And, like, this was a long time before I came into recovery. It just got worse. At 21, you know, I was in hospital again and um, they thought I had pancreatitis. 
And it turns out it wasn't, but I've since found out since I've been in recovery that my mother and my girlfriend at that time were actually praying that I did have pancreatitis, just so I didn't, you know, to, just to pull me up. And it progressed. You know, there was, there was other, many, many other moments. And, like, the consequences, like, they're sort of, like, they're important for me, but they're, they're almost irrelevant. Like, I knew why I was stuffing up. It's because... I was a blackout drinker and I couldn't stop blacking out once I picked up a drink. But it was what was going on in, inside for me and, and a lot of that was going to the footy club and that and putting on that front that, like, everything's all right. But I knew deep down inside that I was stuffed and it was getting worse and it was going to continue to get worse and I've got no other option here. So I chose, you know, I went to the drug and alcohol councils, both court-ordered and off my own bat. And, um, you know, they said things to me like, you know, just have a water every two beers or put your bottle tops in your pocket so when you've had eight or ten drinks, like, count them and, and go, that's enough. And I'm, like, I, it still frustrates me to this day because they, they don't understand. Like, at, the best that's going to do is I'm just going to start throwing at people and start drinking more alcohol. So like, everywhere I went, you know, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, nobody got me. Nobody understood. And... and and, you know, and again, it progressed. It got worse. I, and in the end, I knew I was a danger to myself and society, whether that be drink driving or, or any of the other things. And, um, yeah, like, there was an incident where I woke up in hospital again and I found out that, you know, the search and rescue party had been looking for me and it was on the news and there was reporters downstairs trying to get at me and i got no idea what's going on. And my mum and brother and all my mates are standing on the beach, like, apparently thinking that I'm dead drowned and in, instead I'm in Danny on hospital getting my thumb sewn back on and I don't know why and I'm like I just again I said nah this is not going to happen never ever again I walked straight out of that hospital went straight home got drunk I don't know I didn't know I had no idea what was going on and uh, so I took myself into isolation I didn't I don't make an actual decision to go into isolation but I ended up in isolation because that was the safest bet for me. And um, honestly, that's like when the real pain started because it was just me, myself and the bottle. And um, I hated who I'd become. I didn't want to be an alcoholic. I really didn't want to. I just wanted, I just wanted it to leave. I didn't, it was my worst enemy. People, you know, drugs, other drugs are a massive part of my story, which I'm not going to go into, but... People talk about their drug of choice, and my, my alcohol for me was my drug of no choice. It just had me, like it's written in the big book, like King Alcohol was my master, and I knew this. So I don't know how long, like it's a bit hazy, but I don't know how long I was in isolation. But um, one night I made it back out in another blackout, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll come to the next morning with police everywhere, and this time I'm looking at jail. And um, I've got no recollection to this day of, you know, I know what happened. But, um, you know, I was stuffed. Like that next, that was probably a year and a bit before coming to recovery. And like that next 10 months going in and out of the county court was tough. You know, like Polly touched on, you know, suicidal thinking. And um, there was nothing left for me. Like, you know, I, I don't really like going into it from the floor, but like it was, I was at that jumping off point that they talk about in a vision for you, like with the four horsemen. And um, I was drinking, I spent so, <clears throat> pardon me, so long of my life I was trying not to black out. But by this stage, 
the sooner I could get the black out, the better, because I just did not want to be here anymore. I didn't want to be awake anymore. I just needed it all to end. And um, by this stage, we'd, we'd gone to a neurologist, and uh, he was putting 27 pills a day in me, trying to rewire my brain. And, uh, you know, a- a- epilepsy medication and severe spinal cord injury medication and bipolar and this and that, and I don't know. And it sent me nuts. It sent me nuts, and I couldn't put the bottle down. Um, you know, it just the last time it happened when I actually really meant it and I was going to stop was when I walked out of that courtroom and I promised whoever was listening that um, I would never drink again. And I actually, with all that medication in me, I did last 30 days, but then it just, no reason, just I picked up a drink. And within four days, I was stuffed. And, uh, you know, I was by this stage I was living with my mum because I needed to be cared for and... Um, I made the decision that uh, I was, you know, I, I don't know, I was going on a suicidal drinking mission. It wasn't going to take long. Like, I couldn't do this anymore. So, I, um, yeah, I was just laying in my bed and, I don't know, as soon as I made that decision, something happened. Like, a weight come off my shoulders. Sure, I was going to be dead soon, but I didn't have to fight this thing inside me. I knew I had something inside me. I don't know if it was a disease. It felt like a disease. Something was going to kill me. It wanted me gone. I was just going to surrender to it and let it go, and I, I just felt this weight lift. And then uh, at that, you know, then at that moment, my mum walked past the room, and I just, I don't know, it wasn't me, but I, whatever. I just said, I need rehab. I'm about to die, and she was ready to rock and roll. It's like, like, like God bless Alanon, because she was just waiting for that moment, and. Um, I could have gone to, like, many of rehabs for free, which, you know, would have been court order, but she knew where I was going. I was going into a 12-step affiliated rehab, into a hospital where I could be clinically monitored to come off the grog. And, um, yeah, like, what a, what a journey. I got into rehab and wouldn't come out of my room for six days because you take all that stuff out of me and I'm maladjusted to life. I don't know how to live. I can't go out and talk to people. And, um, yeah, my, my caseworker came in one day and he... he uh, uh, on the sixth day, and he said, we can't do this anymore. you either got to go or you can stay here and come out of your room. And I said, look, can I ring me mum? Or I've got to get her to pick me up. This is no good. And he goes, nah, you can't do that. Like, what are you going to do? And he read me. He goes, you are going to go back into that room and you are just going to finish it. And I, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. How did he know? Well, I now know he knew because he's been there. And this was the first contact that I had when they talk about one alcoholic working with another. I got out of that room and they put me on a bus and took me to AA and for me, honestly, it was just like that. I sat down, I wouldn't share, I was way too paranoid to share. I couldn't, I just, I hid, I could barely spit out like ID, like Jeff, just let me listen. And like nobody would, nobody looked at me, nobody, they just let me sit and listen. And you know, you spoke about similarities and the differences. I didn't hear any differences early on. All I heard, all I heard, like could be an 80-year-old grandmother, and she had no consequences, but she'd get up and go, "I just, I'd have a sip of that wine, and then I'd like, I'd just have to go back and have another." And then, I'd, like all of a sudden, like something happens, and I'd have to go back another. And I'm thinking, this is my story. I'd been explaining this to anyone. My best mate would sit down with me on the, about like half a dozen times. On the last time, he'd have tears in his eyes going, what is happening? Tell me. Explain it to me. So I don't know. When I put a drink in me, something happens. I can't explain it, but I just, it, I've got, like, I'm off. I can't stop. And when I don't have a drink in me, I can't do life. Like, all I can think about is alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. I don't even want to drink. Or do I want to drink? And it's just all alcohol. And he never understood. 
I come into AA and um, everybody gets it. <laughs> and uh, thank God, because I wouldn't have made it without you guys. I was, I was on the way out, but um, I thought I had step one. You know, I heard three things when I come into Alcoholics Anonymous, and the first thing was to, to keep coming back and put a bum on a seat. And um, I did that. And the next two things was uh, get a sponsor and do the steps. And that was a bit difficult for me because I was so frightened. But um, as it turns out, you know, a friend who's in the, in the fellowship introduced me to somebody he'd sponsored and, and he told me that he was going to sponsor me because I couldn't ask him. And um, <laughs> which, thank God. Um, and, yeah, I said to him, look, I didn't say I, did, I wanted to skip step one, but I did let him know that I had it. And I, I was, I, you know, I've got this covered. And um, he goes, that's excellent, mate, but we're going to do it my way. And we're going to open it from the front of the book. And I just remember, like, some, you know, the book is just the most amazing thing I've ever read in my life. I just remember opening up, putting my date, which is the 30th of September 2014. And then we slipped to, you know, recovered, never cured, where he made me highlight that and put it underneath, though, he he made me write, I'm willing to go to any lengths. And he looked at me and said, Are you? And I said, Yes. And he said, Sign it. And from that moment on, that. He's had me. It, like, to be perfectly honest, I don't really want to be up here doing this right now. But um, he suggested that I do, so I've got to be willing. And uh, we went through the first, um, the first three chapters, plus the doctor's opinion and the preface and the, and the forwards. And, and the preface and the forwards didn't mean that much to me at the time. You know, I love them now. But um, the doctor's opinion, which was a great presentation, like some, those, everything that was sort of said, like I was just thinking to myself, that... That's exactly what I needed. I needed that identification. Like It was sort of like somebody had written this book and they'd been following me around my whole life and inside my head. And, um, yeah, like, I, I, I've, I, uh, the, the favourite chapter I have is There is a Solution. And um, it's probably, like, I, I love Bill So I still, I love the whole lot, but it, we, and it's like, towards the end, thank you, towards the end, um, you, those three little figures and you said, I'm not that bloke, I'm not that bloke, I'm, I'm this guy. And uh, for me, that's the in where there is a solution. Like You've got the moderate, drink, uh, the moderate drinker who can take it or leave it. You've got the certain type of heavy drinker, you know, if there's enough bad stuff going on, they can put it down, leave it alone. And then, you know, I, that guy baffles me more than the moderate drinker. <laughs> but then you've got, and this, like I just summed it up, but like, what about the real alcoholic? And like it goes through the Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde and... Um, you know, seldom mildly intoxicated, more or less insanely drunk, and uh, I, I was never tipsy. And if I was, the allergy kicked in, and it was horrific. So uh, you know, go to bed, say drunk, you should sleep the clock around, but wake up next morning searching for the, the bottle. Like I needed that bottle. I needed that bottle because I was hopeless. I was powerless over alcohol. It had me, and um, you know, I drank for oblivion. I ended up in a clinical hospital to get off it. You know, that, it was like when I got, you know, it says we should. That's a rough description. It was honestly like I was reading my alcoholic career, and um, you know, there's was, was plenty of other um, sort of things that came along. And you know, I'm here to discuss step one, but like I, I had a, a final surrender before I met my sponsor. And um, during that surrender, you know, I know where I was. I was right, believe it or not, I was right. If you drew a straight line between an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in Bayswater and, and the bottle shop across the road, it was, like, right during that moment. 
And I knew, this is before the sponsor, I just knew that even if I sat in AA all day, every day, that this thing was too strong for me and it was going to come and get me. And um, something stepped in. And, uh, yeah, to this day I haven't been alone. It wasn't like a white light experience. But something come in me, through me, around me. And, uh, you know, faith without works is dead, though. And, like, I had to keep putting in the action I needed to get that sponsor and do, do the remaining 11 steps. But, like, what a wonderful moment because uh, I was stuffed. You know, I remember looking in at step one when I first walked into rehab and said, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, our lives become unmanageable. I looked at that and said, I'm screwed because I've admitted this for such a long time, but I hadn't accepted it. You guys gave me that acceptance. Turning up to AA and realising that I'm not unique, there's others out there. I might, I've got that hope that um, you see beaming off people. And, uh, you know, today, very, very grateful. I don't believe step one's any more important than the others. Like, they're all important, I believe, to recover from alcoholism. I needed the remaining 11. But, um, yeah, step one's a real good beginning. You know, we, we don't end up accidentally in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, you know, I deserve to be here. AA, it, um, it hasn't just saved my life. It's given me one. And... Um, I'm just bloody wrapped that I've found this solution. So thanks for letting me share.